Hello, this is Pastor Ben Mulford with the Clare Church Podcast. Today's teaching is from Mark chapter 1, where Jesus calls the first disciples. I hope this teaching encourages you to listen to your calling and to take action. Enjoy. Good morning. So, I uh, guess what we're excited about in my house. It starts in less than one month away. It's January 21st. We've only got about three weeks left until guess what? Somebody said Valentine's Day, but nope. Spring training, baseball season is right around the corner. In fact, today, uh, right after church, I'm taking Zeke um, to a, a baseball lesson and to work on some of his his skills. So we're excited about baseball season. Anybody else? All right, that's right. I'm wearing your red today too. God bless you. Uh, so one of the things when we're coaching the kids, and I remember doing this in t-ball, you get all the little kids out there on the field, they're about six years old, right? And you got to teach them the bases. This is home plate. This is first base, second base, third base, and you come back to home plate. Then you tell them, go play first base. Guess what they do? They go and stand on the base, and you have to explain, no, first baseman plays here, and it's a little off the base, and you have to catch and get to all the balls between, like, the foul line and about three feet to the other side of you, right? Then you tell them, go play second base, be the second baseman, and guess what they do? They go, and they stand on the base, and you're like, nope, that's not where the second baseman plays. The second baseman plays over here, and you have to get all the balls between the first baseman and second base, all right? Then and so on and so forth, explaining all the different positions that they have to play. So the first baseman plays the first baseman's job in that spot and focuses on that spot, right? That's their calling, so to speak. You have to know what your position is, what your job is, and stick to it, so to speak. Um, So today, as we read about Jesus calling the first disciples, he was setting out some boundaries for them and calling them, saying, follow me. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. Since it's been a while since we heard it, why don't we listen again to this story from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 14. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. And believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. One of the first things to recognize about having a calling in your life, on your life, is that you realize that if there's a calling, then there's a caller. There's a caller. So that begs the question then, who are you? listening to? Who are you answering to? Who 
is calling you? Who is the caller? You see, Jesus comes on the scene after John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been doing his preaching, his teaching, getting followers, and he's baptizing them. And John the Baptist says, look, there's one, the Lamb of God, the Son of God who comes after me. He is greater than me. He is the Messiah. Listen to him. Follow him. So once John goes into prison, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, listen to the good news. What does he say? The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the caller has sent Jesus on a mission. Right? Our calling is what Jesus was called to, to go to people and to tell them the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. In my own life, the way I experienced this, about age 12, I had, for, for me, it was a dramatic conversion to the good news of Jesus Christ, where I sensed and realized in real, physical, visible ways that God was alive and he was near that the kingdom of God had come near. And I began responding and, and living out that calling. And by the time I got to high school, I looked around and I saw a world in need. In need of hearing the good news that God is near. In need of hearing the good news that God is love. In need of hearing the good news that there is joy to be found in Christ, that there is healing to be found in Christ, that there is forgiveness to be found in Christ, that in the midst of your weakness, there is strength to be found in Christ, in the midst of your woundedness and your brokenness, there is healing to be found in Christ, because I saw it in their faces, in their lives, in the struggles that everybody lived, that we all go through, that there is good news in Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God has come near. See, lots of people believe in God, that there is some higher power, that he's somewhere else, though, that he's far away, that he's out there, that he's above everything, that maybe he, like a, one of those toys where you wind it up and you just let it go. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. And that, when I saw that and God put that compassion in my heart, that people needed to know that. That was the calling that I needed to follow. That was Jesus saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And that's what Jesus does in this story. So our mission, our calling grows out from the caller who said the kingdom of God has come near. Now, as I said, they ask the question, who are you listening to? There's lots of things in life that you could listen to. You could listen to the culture around us or the expectations of your parents. You could listen to your family of origin, whatever, your, whatever you decide to, to listen to, you could decide to listen to. And it could lead you in a, a, in a certain direction, on a certain path to do certain things with your life. But what I'm asking you today is, are you listening to the caller? The one who created you and shaped you and formed you. The one who said, you are my child. The one that says, you are my creation. The one that says, I 
bless you. I give you life. Are you listening to the caller? Or are you listening to something else? Because it's easy to grow, go through life like a firefighter reacting to everything that happens and putting out fires. And at some point you sit back and you're like exhausted and you think, man, what have I done? I've reacted to everything else. But have I listened to the caller? That's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Listening, being awakened to the caller, to your soul, to deep down inside of you, that place that connects with the Creator. Are you listening to the caller or are you listening to something else? What's interesting is about how and the ways that the caller speaks to us, the ways that God speaks to us. There's a story, I believe it's in the book of 2 Kings. I may be wrong. Maybe it's in 1 Kings. But I believe it's about the prophet Elijah. And I'm sure I should have done all the work and gotten more specific about exactly where it is and who it is. But the story basically goes like this. God calls the prophet. He says, I'm going to meet you on the mountain. Go up to the mountain. I'll meet you there. And so he goes up there and he waits. He listens. He watches. And it says, and then there was a big earthquake. And there was a big wind and a big storm and all these big events happened. And guess what? After every single one of them, it says there was a big earthquake, but the voice of God was not in the earthquake. There was a big wind, but the, the gust, God's voice was not in the gust of wind. After every single one of those big major things, and then it says there was sheer silence. God's voice was not in the silence, but then he heard a still, small voice, a whisper, speaking. What I like to call this is the holy nudge, the holy nudge, that it's a, when you take the time, in, in Psalm 62 that we read earlier in the service, it starts out, it says, I wait in silence for my God. It actually says, for God alone, I wait in silence, right? We have so many things. First of all, we don't like waiting. And we don't like silence, right? If we can just hurry up and not have to, <laughs> there always has to be something doing, happening, going on. But yet, it's in the silence and the waiting that God speaks. And there's this. So if you're taking the time to wait and be in silence, you can sense this holy nudge that I'm talking about. This holy nudge that I'm talking about. That's, that's just this sense that you, at certain points, you realize, I can do something. And I think God wants me to do something about this for this person to show God's love in this way that only I can do because I'm the one that intersected with this person's life at this time and at this moment for that need and my abilities and my gifts. One uh, author, that has, a Christian author that has written a number of books talks about calling, his name is Frederick Beekner. He talks about calling, it says, where your deep gladness and the world's deep needs meet and intersect. That's your calling, where your deep gladness and the world's deep needs meet. 
And that holy nudge is the one that says, yeah, God, I think, I'm, I'm sensing that I can do something about this. You see, Jesus tells a story of, kind of about this. He talks about a Jewish man that was beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. And a wonderful, awesome Jewish priest that has dedicated himself to attending services and being a leader in his congregation and being a good Jewish guy. A priest walks by and he sees the guy, but he misses God's holy nudge because he's so busy, he hasn't taken the time to wait in silence. And he misses the nudge because he's filled the silence with other things. I don't know what they had back then. I know what we got today, you know. Put the earphones in, crank up the music, flip on the Netflix or the TV station. Anything other than having to wait and sit in silence, right? But it's that interior life in our soul that we need to tend to so that we can sense that holy nudge, that still small voice of God. So that's who are we listening for? The caller. How does he speak? Through a holy nudge, a still small voice, a whisper. What does he say? As we read our scripture today of Jesus calling the first disciples, he gives us his mission, his intention of what he wants us to follow him into. It says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, that means turn your life, change your life, go in a new direction. Repent and believe the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. And so as Jesus walked along beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which Mark doesn't list it here, but this is also told in Luke chapter 5. And uh, there's, anyway, the Simon is the one who eventually becomes to be called Peter. You remember Peter is the one that stands up and begins leading and preaching the church through the book of Acts, right? Peter, the rock, and Jesus says on you, Peter, the rock, I will found my church. Uh, anyway, so he calls Simon and his brother Andrew, and he says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. So we're listening to the caller. We're trying to sense that whisper, that still small voice, that holy nudge. And what does he say? What is he saying to you today? Follow me. I will make you fish for people. I will make you fish for people. Now, funny thing here. Why do you think Jesus calls these fishermen first off? So I heard one preacher say that maybe it's because he needed their boat. In fact, the way Luke tells the story, Jesus doesn't ask anything or anything. He just goes and steps into their boat and sits there. I want you to try that in the parking lot at church today. You just say, I, I, I needed this car. I thought it looked good. I'm going to sit in this one. <laughs> you know, That's what Jesus does. It's kind of weird, right? Maybe he needed a boat. But we know that's not right. Jesus didn't need a boat. As we read just a couple chapters later, he wanted to get to the other side of the lake. All he had to do was walk on water. Why did he pick these fishermen? Why did he pick these fishermen? Think about that for a second. So with this calling, follow me, I will make you fisher, fishers of men. 
I'll help you fish for people. I'll teach you something new. There's kind of what I found was like three degrees of this calling. Three degrees of calling. The first one, follow me, is a general calling to all people everywhere, which all of these degrees are for all people everywhere. But there's a general calling of follow me. Remember when somebody tried to trick Jesus and say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And his response was, love the Lord your God, right? Love the Lord your God. That's the first degree of this calling. Follow me. God is calling you by name, drawing you into himself, saying, I love you, love me. I love you first, love me. He's drawing you in, calling you by name, saying, you are my child. I accept you. I welcome you. I've created you. I am shaping and forming you. I'm helping you grow and learn. I can give you wisdom. I will show you blessing. I will increase your influence. He's drawing us into himself. That's the first degree of this, follow me. The second one, remember Jesus said, First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. The second one is like it. Follow me, obey my commands, love one another. Love one another. That there is a general work for everyone who follows Jesus to go about following the teachings of Scripture so that we can love one another. That's required of all of us. You can't get out of this and say, no, God, you didn't give me the gifts or the blessings or the skills or the ability to love people. That's just not me. That's not who I am. That's not my calling. No. You don't get out of it. All right? Every Christian called to love God and to love one another. To follow his teachings, to follow his commands, to follow this way of life that Jesus invites them into. And so Peter calls him rabbi or teacher. And they begin following him around and they watch all of his teachings to all the crowds. They watch all of the signs and the miracles. All of it trying to tell people and let them know that the kingdom of God has come near and that this is good news for your life. That God is near to you. You can't get out of that. You can't sidestep it. You can't get around it. God is calling to you. Love God. Love one another. Fish for people. And why did he call these fishermen? Why did he call these fishermen? Think about this. We all have something in common. We all have something in common. We're all human beings, right? And every human being, in order to live, what do we need? We need to breathe, right? We need to drink. We need to eat. What do fishermen do? They catch food for people. I think Jesus calls these fishermen because they had connections. That everybody around in the community had to get their food from somewhere. And so they probably had contact with thousands of people in their community. Same thing for you. You have connections. So the third degree of this calling of follow me 
Remember, we started with God is calling us into himself, drawing us in. He's calling us to the work of the church, to love one another, to share God's love and spread the good news. And this, the third degree is the specific work that you have connections, you have gifts and abilities and influence uniquely. You have intersection with other people's lives uniquely that other people don't have. And so what is that specific work? What is it that ability and gifts that you have been given? Some people, uh, the scripture says, are teachers. Some people are evangelists. Some people are apostles. Some people are prophets. Some people are encouragers. Some people are singers. Some people are pianists. Some people are musicians. Some people are chefs and cooks. Some people are greeters. Some people are ushers. Some people are prayer warriors. Some people are this, that, or the other. Every single one of you is called. You have some kind of gift, some kind of ability, some kind of talent, some kind of purpose that God has given you. And just like I have to teach the first baseman where the first baseman played, play there. Play in your strengths. Play in your gifts. Answer that specific calling for your life. There's uh, a lot of things that kind of get in the way of answering this, this calling. Some of it goes back to that question, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the caller, God? Are you listening to other things? Um, let me put it, I heard it put this way by Andy Stanley, son of Charles Stanley. Andy Stanley leads a church in Atlanta, Georgia, North Point Community Church. But uh, I think it was in one of his books, he says, direction not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. So as we read this story of Jesus calling the disciples, it's, he's, Jesus says to them, come follow me and I will make you fish for people. And it says, and at once, they answered that call, they dropped their nets, they left behind whatever they were doing, and they followed him. Now did they quit being fishermen? Now, if you read the whole gospel story and, and the book of Acts, no, they did not quit being fishermen. But for a season of life and the time that they had, they said, I, Rabbi, I'm going to follow you along, Rabbi Jesus, Teacher Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn from you everything that I can, and I'm going to soak it up as much as I can for this season of life. It's kind of like college is a season of life. High school is a season of life. It's not meant to be your whole life, you know. My dad likes to say, hey, I worked so hard in school, I crammed a four-year degree into five. <laughs> it's a season of life. So they didn't quit being fishermen, but Jesus recognized their connections because they were fishermen and said, let me tell you what being a fisherman looks like in the kingdom of God. That you're not just catching fish, and food for people, you're catching people 
to get them into the kingdom of God. You're catching people to get them into the family of God, the house of God, God's love. See, a kingdom is marked by two things, the rules and the ruler. And the ruler is God, who is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And the rules are love God and love one another. God is love. Jesus says, if you're going to be a fisherman in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to be catching people and bringing them into God's love. Answer the call. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Answer the call. It says, immediately they left their nets behind. Immediately they saw an opportunity and they took it. Immediately. Now I'm going to cut you a little bit of slack here. This phrase, immediately, happens 40 times in the Gospel of Mark. There's only 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark. So that means at least twice, every chapter, Mark says immediately, and immediately, and immediately. It's because it's a literary device to push and move the story along. It's a fast pace, and then guess what he can do? He can slow it down and say, listen to this and what happened. Okay? So in a sense, it's a literary, but that doesn't get you off the hook of answering the call. Right? That doesn't get you off the hook of making a, resol- a resolution and saying, I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to answer this call to draw near to God. I'm going to answer this call to love one another. And I'm going to answer this call to find out what the specific work is that God has called me to do. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. Remember, Jesus says, when he teaches about fasting, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. When you fast, when you pray, seek, search, knock, you will find. You will find. Ask the question. Here's the prayer to pray. God, what do you want to do with me? God, what do you want to do through me? Pray that prayer over and over. Every day, on a regular basis. God, what do you want to do through me? And you know, selfishly, as a pastor, I want you to hear God calling you to invite all kinds of friends and family and everybody and let's fill all these pews up. But let me tell you this. Remember, the calling was what Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. What ways can you bring the kingdom of God near to other people in your life? What ways can you bring the kingdom of God near to the people in your life? God, what do you want to do through me? Now, my hope is that you sense the kingdom of God nearer through this church. Not only on Sunday mornings, remember the church is not just a place, but it's you, the people. God, what do you want to do through me? How can I bring the kingdom of God near to other people? Answer the call. Now, a lot of things tend to get in the way of answering this call in our lives. And one of the big ones is uh, 
a sense of inadequacy. And a sense of inadequacy comes from a number of different places. You see, the fisherman could have said, I'm just a fisherman, what good am I to God? But they chose not to listen to that voice. They chose to listen to the caller who said, follow me. Later on in the story, Jesus goes to a tax collector who was hated by the community because he collected taxes. And Jesus says, follow me, Matthew, Levi, follow me, even you, a tax collector. And he could have listened to that voice and says, what could I do? I'm just a tax collector. And even this Simon Peter, if you read his story, he's like, oh yeah, follow Jesus. Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're awesome, you're great, I believe in you. But once Jesus got arrested, what did Peter do? Peter said, I don't know him. And how many of us, our sense of inadequacy comes from regret? That we maybe passed up an opportunity, just like Peter did, where we denied that we knew Jesus, or we didn't step up to take the opportunity to show people that the kingdom of God is near. That we passed up an opportunity to answer the call. And so we hear this voice of regret inside of us. And we think it has to hold us back. But you read the rest of Peter's story. And Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, this is after the resurrection. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus says, no, Peter, are you hearing me? Do you love me? And Peter gets a little more feisty and says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And th a third time, the same number of times that Peter denied knowing Jesus, Jesus comes back and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You see, you could listen to all those voices of regret, of inadequacy, of all the opportunities that you missed or all the things that you think is wrong with you or you believe that you don't have any gifts or abilities or special talents or anything. You could listen to all that stuff. But the one you need to listen to is Jesus Christ, the caller who is saying, follow me, time and time again. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Because he's always calling to you. He's not holding those missed opportunities over your head. <laughs> he's not trying to guilt you into this. He's not trying to make you feel bad or inadequate about yourself. He just wants to see God's love to grow and to be realized in new ways in your life, in the fullness of God's love. Not just in your life, but in the lives of people around you. Now, there's going to be football on TV today. One of the teams I hate is going to be playing the New England Patriots. I'm sorry, Aaron. I know that's one of your favorite teams. 
<laughs> we're, all, we're all just jealous is the truth. <laughs> but there's this thing called the Patriot Way, right? Bill Belichick, one of his famous sayings about the Patriot Way is simply this, do your job. And they've been able to build a dynasty of teams who continually go back to the Super Bowl and win Super Bowls. Because he's convinced even the lowest paid players, if you do your job the best that you can do, we will win. Now, linebacker, you can't do the offensive lineman's job. Cornerback, you can't do the safety's job. Tight end, you can't do the running back's job. You can only do your job. Answer the call. Discover your job. Do your job. You see, answer the call is not just making a decision and having good intentions. But it's about taking an action. Answer the call. Do your job. That's what Jesus is saying to the church. Sometimes I feel like we just sit back and expect the church to do everything for us. Usually, you know, in churches this size, that means pastor, right? He's the one we pay to do all the ministry. No, no, no. The Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers. That every single one of you, every one of you is a minister and has a ministry. Do your job. Let's pray. Holy God, pour out your Holy Spirit on every person here. Continue to let your word that you've spoken to us today, continue to let your spirit move within us today. May we hear and take action. Help us to get in touch with the gifts and abilities you've given us. Help us to be aware of the connection and the intersection with other people's lives that you've uniquely placed us in, in this time frame, in this community, to show other people that the kingdom of God is near. God, help every person here to pray, Lord, what do you want to do with me? How can I bring the kingdom of God near to the people in my life? Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit. Empower us to answer the call and to be the church. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.